When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. And I couldn't with you around my neck. I said I'd send for you and I did. What did you expect? My hands are sweating and we haven't even started yet. I'll go along with this charade until I can think my way out. I know it was all a big joke, whatever it was all about. Someday maybe I'll remember to forget. I'm going to get my coat. I feel the breath of a storm. There's something I got to do tonight. You go inside and stay warm. Has anybody seen my love? Has anybody seen my love? Has anybody seen my love? I don't know. Has anybody seen my love? This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly, and uh, joining us this week to talk about the super fun song, Tight Connection to My Heart, Has Anybody Seen My Love? The opening track from Empire Burlesque is fellow Bobcat, Alan Christensen. Hi, Alan. Hi, Rob. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I am so excited to have you here. As I mentioned off air, this is not a song that most people put on their lists of songs they want to talk about, but uh, I love this song, and so I am super jazzed to, to talk about it. But before we get to the song, I, of course, have to ask you, since this is your first time on the show, like, how did you become a fan of, of the music? Well, um, my father's all-time favorite band was The Birds, so... I got introduced to Bob Dylan that way through Mr. Tambourine Man and sure. um, you know You Ain't Going Nowhere, all the covers that the birds did. So I became familiar with them that way. And then in eighth grade, I had to do a music report, which my dad was very insistent, you're going to do it on the birds. And, <laughs> yeah, he was very That's great. Insistent. Yeah, so – and so it was it was a nice bonding moment. So we, we did the report and then I had to play two songs by the birds. So dad was like, OK, you're going to do Mr. Tambourine Man and then you're going to do Eight Miles High. So he put the tape together, but he decided, you know what, I think it'd be kind of cool to see what Dylan originally did and then play um, Mr. Tambourine Man by the birds. So that was the first time I ever heard Dylan's voice. You heard that little opening and I'm like. Okay, that that's a different voice. Okay, you know, and then as I just kind of grew up, you know, I I basically started to embrace more what we now call classic rock. So Dylan was just kind of in the mixture with everything along those lines. And then one day I heard this song on the radio. I'm like, what is that? Who is that? <laughs> and, and it was, and I had, and it turned out to be Lay Lady Lay. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Ah, yes. And what you know, I had no idea that Dylan had that side to him. I bought Nashville Skyline. That became the first album that I really embraced. And then after that, I bought Blonde on Blonde. And I'm like, wow, the, it, Blonde on Blonde is an important album to me because I love all the songs. But it finally showed me the beauty of a long song. You know, I grew up, you know, five, six minutes tops and I'm done. But, uh, you know, Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands and Visions of Joanna, it's like, you know, I wasn't I wasn't waiting for the song to end. It's just you just kind of go with it. So it just kind of, you know, kind of went along those lines. Um, then I saw the Two Trains tour with Paul Simon. This is the first time I saw Dylan. And I was extremely casual as a fan. But first of all, I was like, OK, why is he headlining and Simon opening? Because that's, you know, because to me, Paul Simon was the bigger guy. But to me, I just saw the reverence and the respect for it. And then when Dylan came out, 
there was such an aura and a presence about him and it's everybody's loving it and I'm loving it and he's doing you know Mr. Tambourine Man Tangled Up in Blue a few songs that I knew him but it's just just the presence of him so that's just kind of how things kind of progressed um I bought uh, Bob Dylan's greatest hits later on and then I bought the essential Bob Dylan which is how I got exposed to Tight Connection uh was through that and I and I thought that it was an important song because Dylan put it on the the essential Bob Dylan. He allowed that. So it's like, mm. so it meant something to him. And then just, you know, so I still kind of viewed myself, okay, a little bit above a casual fan. And then some things transpired in my life in, on a personal level and on a professional level. And just all of a sudden, I'm just, I'm listening to everything that I had. And by that point, another side of Bob Dylan had kind of made itself, made itself into the mix and just kind of kept listening and listening. And then I discovered your podcast and I was like, wow. And that just opened me up to whole other things. I mean, I must have listened to Together Through Life and Temptus and Modern Times all within a couple of weeks. And wow. Yeah, I just, wow. That it just, so I just started to embrace all of it. And then the episodes that you did on Desire made me want to go listen to Desire again. And wow, wow, that's great. And, you know, and I went back into Blood on the Tracks and then I started buying back all over you know, a period of time. So it's just, that's just kind of how it's kind of emerged. And I cannot go a day without listening, at least something by Bob Dylan. And lately it's been um, live at the Royal Albert Hall. That's what I've been listening to right now. But yeah, okay. just just kind of emerged like that. So that that's kind of how it evolved. So, I mean, I've, I've known about him for a long time, but it's just now that I'm in my forties, he just, he speaks to me in a way that just it's something that i need in my life right now that's fantastic i love that your dad was so hands-on with the report and <laughs> that's great you're gonna do this you're gonna do this that's really cool and it, that's really uh very instructive of him to to have you listen to both versions because they're obviously so incredibly different i remember i think it's in the um the no direction home documentary with Ro- and Roger McGuinn has a moment in that where he talks about, or maybe it wasn't in that, but it was somewhere where I saw Roger McGuinn talking about how he changed the timing to Mr. Tambourine Man, and he played the way Bob does it, and then he played the way the birds did it, and you could hear it like that, and you're like, wow, yeah, amazingly, what that can do to a song by just changing the timing of it. So that's really cool that your dad was was so into it. That's that's really uh, that's really neat. Oh yeah, I mean. I mean, my my dad to this day is a big Birds fan, and I I like them a lot. I I do like them not as much as he does. I mean, it was Bird. I would guess not. No, (laughs) from Bird album one to the reunion and disastrous reunion in '73, he has everything, (laughs) and he loves, and he loves it all. For me, um, you know, I I still will listen to Notorious in particular, and then I have live at Monterey. That's probably my favorite bird thing to listen to because it's just a nice reminder that those, even though Gene Clark was gone, those four guys could really put on a powerful powerful show if they felt like it. So, but yeah, but definitely I think Dylan just kind of, I think is more encompassing, you know, longer career and just anything goes with Dylan. If he feels like country, he'll do country. If he feels like rock, he'll do rock. If he feels like acoustic folk, he'll do it. But now it's he's just kind of become Dylan. It, it's it's a Dylan thing. It's Dylan's sound, and it's it's an authentic sound, unique to him. And so that's kind of how I view him now. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily view him as rock or folk or country or anything. He's just Dylan. 
period. Right, yeah. He's a genre unto himself at this point, and that that incorporates every conceivable kind of sound. Uh, in particular, <laughs> the uh, the disco techno beat of Empire, <laughs> Empire Burlesque, which uh, on the day we're recording this came out. Uh, third, 29 years ago today came out on June 8th, so it's actually perfect anniversary. Um, now look, on previous episodes of of this show, I have dinged Empire Burlesque uh, here and there. I've taken a couple of shots at it because I do think that as an album, it's it's a pretty rickety contraption, especially some of the tracks on side two, and there are some. Uh, choices he made where he could have used uh, the alternate version of When the Night Comes Falling from the Sky that he didn't use, and, and I, I I have dinged Bob where I thought it was appropriate. That said, I love this song, the opening track. Uh, and, of course, this is based loosely on a previous song that he recorded for Infidels, which is called Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart. I made the decision early on that we're not going to really talk about that song in this episode. That's going to get its own episode at some point. I think there's enough differences between the two that I didn't want to just glom that song into this one. So that's going to get its own show at some point down the line. But uh, but this song, I just love it. It's so much fun. It's like a perfect pop song, but yet it has all of like the Dylan grit to it, all the kind of Dylan weird asides the the sort of shruggy kind of weird uh, uh, delivery at times. I I never tire of this song, and I wish like if if all of Empire Burlesque had been this fun, I would love Empire Burlesque un, unabashedly. But 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 it's, I mean it's not. But this song is is just priceless. I love that it kicks off with the 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 Queens of Rhythm singing, bringing in the the chorus, and then we get Bob singing on it. And it just this I don't know I I this thing puts a, a stupid smile on my face because it's just such a fun song to listen to. I mean, why did you want to talk about it in particular? Well, basically, I mean, as you mentioned, I I, I gave you quite the list, and I just yep. thought, well, we'll just you know, I just kind of put this list together. But it was a song that I noticed um, when I bought the Essential Bob Dylan, and one of the things I loved is that line where it says, "Someday, maybe." I'll remember to forget. And it just <laughs> that resonates with me because I'm I'm someone who I have a very keen and long memory. So when I heard that, it's like, yeah, that's something I would like to do. So that's kind of what brought it in. And because also I like the arrangement of the song because another favorite that I discovered from Essential Bob Dylan, which you've covered on the show, a Changing of the Guard, there he brings in those background singers and he brings in that. And and when you talk about how it's a fun rhythm and just a fun song to listen to, um, that's kind of put into place because of the reggae um, rhythm duo, duo of Sly and Robbie. I mean, yeah, it yeah. is a nice, mellow little pace that's going. It's phenomenal, phenomenal um, guitar solo by uh, Mick Taylor. I just mm-hmm. love that. And that, and the solo is you know, Mick Taylor, when his work with the Stones and John Mayo and stuff like that, he could be really gritty himself. But this song, that solo soars and it just continues to add to the flavor of it. So, I mean, that's what I like about it. It's just it was always upbeat. So, you know, when I'm in a positive mood and I have the essential Bob Dylan on, then I, I go for the more upbeat songs, you know, And but that's just it's. It's just something that just lifts your spirits and makes you feel good. Yeah, the um, I'm glad you mentioned Sly and Robbie, Robbie Shakespeare and Sly Dunbar. They are one of the best, I think, kind of rhythm sections that Bob ever had. They seem to really work with him quite well. Apparently, he actually recorded a 
um, a, a verse or two or something on one of their reggae albums as a way to thank them for their work on Infidels and, and some of these later tracks. I've never heard that. I would love to. That sounds really <laughs> interesting. And and I am a little um, – I'm nev- I, definitely not as big a fan of Bob using the, the, the Queens of Rhythm a lot. I kind of like it just his voice. But when he uses them effectively, like you mentioned, in Changing in the Guards, and here, uh, it's perfect. I really love the way it bolsters the sound. And and this this song is kind of this weird thicket of lines that he's taken from other places. At the same time, they seem like kind of um, you know, ruminations of a guy who's just sort of thinking to himself. I mean, the song goes on. He says, you want to talk to me? Go ahead and talk. Whatever you got to say to me, it won't come as any shock. I must be guilty of something. You just whisper it into my ear. Modern butterfly, she lulls me to sleep. In a town without pity, where the water runs deep. She says, be easy, baby. There ain't nothing worth stealing in here. You're the one I've been looking for. You're the one that's got the key. Got the key. But I can't figure out whether I'm too good for you or you're too good for me. And then he goes on to the, the, the chorus again. And it's, I don't know, like, I've, one of the more famous bits that he took is the, um, the line about, um, I'll go along with the charade until I can think my way out, which is sort of, quote-unquote, famously taken from an episode of Star Trek, uh, The Squire of Gothos, where Kirk and Sulu have a conversation, and he says, I'll, I'll go along with the charade until I can think my way out. But it's not taken from Star Trek. It's taken from a Humphrey Bogart movie called Tokyo Joe, uh, which presumably maybe even the writers from Star Trek took it from. But more directly, I we know that Bob's a big fan of film noir, and I think Humphrey Bogart in particular. So that line is that those two lines are literally lifted right out of that movie. And I can imagine Bob watched it one night on cable, and it just sort of that line just sort of burned itself in his head, and there it is, shows up here, <laughs> like forty years later in this in this song. Yeah, and the whole song is uh, filled with these noir references. I mean, right. he, he references um, I'm probably going to butcher the name Sirico, uh, Maltese Falcon is in there. Yep. Oklahoma Kid is in there. I mean, they're all kind of scared uh, there. And then also there's a Gary Cooper film, which one of the um, called Now and Forever, which he uses to get that line, uh, what looks large from a distance, close up ain't never that big. Right. So it's a nice way, way of homage. You know, that's the thing. Dylan uses whatever he's into, whatever he's watching, whatever influences him, and he takes it and tweaks it into his own thing. So I I love the lines, and I especially love that line, you know, what looks large from a distance, close-up ain't never that big, because, you know, I think that just just really kind of brings a nice uh, ending to the song, but just sums up the whole uh, positive vibe of it. Right, and I think we've a lot of us have lived that where there's something that in our imagination seems very scary, and then you get it up close, and you're like, "Oh, this isn't that bad." You know, now that I've li- there's lots of things where the imagination of it is more terrifying than the actual doing of it, and then you do it, and you go, "Oh, this isn't that bad." But yeah, he, this that 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 is the the ending of the song. He continues on. He says, "Well, they're not showing any lights tonight, and there's no moon. Just a hot-blooded singer singing Memphis in June." Well, they're beating the devil out of a guy who's wearing a powder blue wig. Later, he'll be shot for resisting arrest. I can still hear his voice crying in the wilderness. What looks large from the distance, close up ain't never that big. Never could learn to drink that blood and to call it wine. And never could learn to hold you, love, and to call you mine. And then the song goes on with the uh, the refrain and goes out from there. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it, it, you wouldn't think that the upbeat sort of pop techno tune 
sound of this would work with a Dylan lyric. But for this one, it does. Like, you know, it, to me, he finds a way. And, you know, that you mentioned the other lines are from the, the Humphrey Bogart songs. I, again, this is another thing that I've mentioned in d- dozens of episodes at this point about how good of a singer Bob is. And I don't just mean the quality of his voice or the meaning you get from it. But he has a way of singing lines that are taken from other sources like here. And they sound like original thought. You know, there's there's lines in other songs you've heard from other people where you realize, oh, that was probably lifted from something because it doesn't sound natural. But Bob is able to make it sound that like that line was what looks large from the distance. Close up ain't never that big. Just the way he sings it, it sounds natural. It doesn't sound like it's a lift from a movie. And that's the gift of someone who is a a good singer and a good talker. And of course, any of us have listened to Bob talk. Uh, He can just he's he's a great orator. You know, he's just he's when he's telling stories, he's just fun to listen to. He's entertaining. And so I think that's another part of his um, of his skill set that doesn't get enough credit is that he's able to kind of take all these disparate sources and pull them together into one song and make it sound natural and kind of just it just flows very, very smoothly. And that's uh, that's very pleasant to listen to. Dylan is a storyteller and Dylan is someone who uses that powerful voice of his to emulate such a wide range of emotions. I mean, I can listen to his voice and a lot of I, mean, I know for a lot of people are like, really, you can listen to that nasally thing. It's like, no, it's he's it's the way he says what he says and sings what he says. I mean, very similar. I, I like how Leonard Cohen does the same thing. Neil Young has that capability as well to just be able to convey this power of the image and convey the power of the lyrics. And that's what I enjoy about Dylan. So to me, it's like that that. That character, the voice, the color of that voice just is able to take it to a new place, a new place away from the original text. And the thing is, what I find interesting, what you just said, is it reminded me of an old, old quote I heard from Alfred Hitchcock once who said, there are no original ideas left anymore. <laughs> you know, and, and so and he and Hitchcock goes on to say, look, everything is borrowed from something else. But making it you and making it unique, that's what really sells you. And it's and and uh, it sells you and sells your you know and sells yourself, you know. It's how you can take raw material, if you will, and turn it into art. You know, Malcolm Gladwell said something very similar along these lines where, you know, you take a piece, you, you take a word or a phrase here or there, and then you give it your own spin. You give it your own take and turn it into you, you know, and I think that's the way it is. We, as human beings, we take what our experiences and the things that we acquire by knowledge and, and by, you know, work or, you know, physical activity and the experiences, and then it becomes our own experience, and then we are able to share that with others, you know, and that's, and Dylan just does that so beautifully. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you talk about raw material, I mean, of course, we, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that this is, you know, this is a, a alternate version of the, the other song, Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart, and this is a, on a short list of songs that Bob has reworked for later albums, out of the several hundred songs he's recorded at this point, there's only maybe off the top of my head, probably about a dozen where you could say he's done that, where he did Mississippi that was originally recorded for a time out of mind and got used in love and theft. And Mr. Tambourine man originally was recorded for 
another side and then got let, got uh, put aside until he went back to it for bringing it all back home. But it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. Generally, once he ditches a song, he for, he just it's gone forever until, of course, some bootleg series comes out. But I would love to know the thought process of that he heard something in Someone's Got a Hold of My Heart uh, and was able to extract that and turn it into this thing, which is very, very different. But yet you can – once I heard it – uh, the bootleg series where I was like, oh, okay, that's I see where he went from that. But they are two very distinct songs, and he was able to, uh, you know, add the backup singers and and d- sort of dress it up and change the lyrics in a lot of ways and turn it into this thing. And, and someone's got a hold of my heart. Well, I didn't mean to talk about that song so much, but this this song, I mean, like a lot of Dylan songs, it's got that thing where he seems to be talking to his lover, but then he's also talking to a third person. Because uh, he's obviously referring to, has anybody seen my love? He's talking to different people. But then at the end, he's singing, you know, I never could learn to hold you love and call you mine. So he's constantly shifting the tenses and the the, pe- the person that he's talking to, which is always keeping you kind of on your toes a little bit, which, I again, that's something I love about about uh, about Dylan. Um, this was actually released as a single in 1985, which is probably why I ended up on The Essential Bob Dylan. It, it did it was somewhat of a single. It wasn't particularly successful. It was really. It was uh, when it was put out. Put out as a single. The B side was "We Better Talk This Over" from Street Legal, which is like wow. what? Huh? Like like was 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 uh, they did they charge someone at Columbia Records to finding the most incongruous song to slap on the other side? Let, let's pull something from eight years ago and put like all right, like they, I mean, of all the stuff that he was recording at the time, they decided to pull something off of Street Legal, which was like four albums, five albums ago. Like that's completely uh, baffling. Uh, but yet it was. It features one of the great all time Bob Dylan sleeve arts of all time because it's him in this gigantic 80s jacket with the boxy uh the uh boxy shoulders and he's got the shirt open almost down to his navel it is it is very very 80s and i really enjoy it it's it's just kind of like goofy of, of its own level and speaking of goofy of course uh there is a video for the song uh which uh, you can watch over on the bob dylan channel over on uh, youtube and it's directed by paul schrader so he was bringing in a heavyweight to do it and it is boy is it 80s i mean this thing is so 80s it believes in trickle-down economics i mean it's bob in his sort of like print t-shirts and there's everybody's got the the wide lapels and you've got these there's Google backup singers during parts of it. He can't even be bothered to like lip sync. He's just like, you hear him singing on this, the song, but he's not singing in the video. And it's, um, you see Bob in an undershirt, which I could live without. Uh, there's another <laughs> thing where he's like stroking a woman's face, which he is. So I, I think he is so unnatural on camera when he's trying to like act, um, that it, to me, it's sort of comical. And in, in, like, if you watch him in the video, I'm like, Bob has no game. In this video, Bob has no game, and it's like his game is that he's Bob Dylan. In real life, he must have real game, but on video, when he's playing a part, it's like, oh. This, I, I At the same time, I almost can't not watch it because it's so compellingly strange. But uh, they tried their best to make this a single. I don't think it, think it, it really went anywhere. But as you said, it, it ended up on the essential Bob Dylan, so somebody likes it. Yeah. That's interesting when you – when you were talking about, you know, um, you know how he's talking about a lover, either in the first person or the third person, I kind of, I kind of wonder if this was just pure irony or planned irony. But 
Um, one of the backup singers on Tight Connection is Carolyn Dennis, who goes right. on to be his you know, wife and all that. And you have her singing, you got a tight connection to my heart through the whole thing. And at this point in time, no one knows about this relationship and no one finds out about uh, the marriage and, and the child until later. So it's like, it's just, I, you know, I, I listen to that and knowing that information, it's like, that is just really ironic that you have your wife basically singing over and over again, how, you know, how <laughs> yeah, with this tight connection I have to, to my heart, you know, it's like, wow. I, like I said, I, I don't know if it was planned irony or if it just came out that way, but it just, it puts a smile on my face when I think about it. That's true. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Carolyn, De- I mean, of all of the backup singers, Carolyn Dennis, obviously uh, uh, figures large in his life and his history. Now, live wise, uh, this has only been performed 14 times. That's it. Uh, he did not perform it um, at the time when it came out. At the time, he didn't perform it until 1990 when he did that in that the famous concert at Toad's Place that ran like four hours or something. He sang it there. Um, the other version that I really wanted to discuss is the version he did. He did it twice at the Supper Club shows um, in uh, November of 1993. And for anybody who's listening to this who maybe doesn't know what the Supper Club shows were, uh, they were. Two shows he did at the time, and tickets apparently were distributed free at a record store, which is like, man, I'm never around when any cool stuff happens. I, you know, I would have killed yeah, that. Um, and these shows were apparently recorded by Bob, uh, or at the very least Columbia Records, with the idea that maybe they would be the basis for the MTV Unplugged. Uh, uh, record that he would, I guess, that had been contractually put together at this point. But the, the I guess, uh, according to a rumor, uh, Bob was unhappy with the footage and decided to scrap it all, which is a damn shame because I have a bootleg of the Supper Club shows, and they are phenomenal. Uh, they are superb. These 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 two Supper Club shows should absolutely be a live album. Uh, they are some of the, my favorite live performances he's ever done, and you can tell he's having a really great time, and the version he does of Tight Connection is a blast. It is a total blast, and you can hear the audience really get into it. At one point when he sings the line about, you want to talk to me, go ahead and talk, you hear a woman yell from the crowd, like, singing along, like, go ahead and talk. Like, she knows the words. This woman, she knows it. And this was not... You know, obviously one of his most famous songs, but yet she this must be a favorite of hers because she knows it. And he and the band just rip into it. And at the at the end, they have this very long kind of solo and they're just having a and uh, Bob has this great harmonica wail to it. It's it's a blast. And I, I I never tire of listening how he's able to transmogrify something that sounds one way and then do it completely differently in another context, because, of course, in the Supper Club shows, he doesn't have the backup singers with him. He doesn't have any of the same band with him. He had his touring band. So he has to make it into more of kind of a traditional rock type song arrangement as opposed to the more techno thing on the, on the album. But it works completely in its own way. I, I just love that version. And it makes me sad that that's it. He's never done it since. These are the last two times he's ever done it. So I maybe it's, you know, you, you can never say any song with Bob Dylan is permanently put away because he just continues to tour and you never know what he's going to pull out. But it does seem like he's not interested in ever doing this again, which is a damn shame because, boy, does it work, at least in this in this way, in, in live context. It's weird. I, you know, when you told me about that you wanted to talk about, that was the first time I had heard it. And when I was playing it um, around my nine-year-old daughter, 
she heard it and she started to dance. And then I, I actually got up and we both started to dance to the song. It is catchy. It is upbeat. It is just, it was really, really fun. I mean, I know you're kind of trying to avoid talking to someone who's got a hold of my heart, but I will say you can't help it. Of course, you know, it, it, it can't be helped, but it's like, definitely. I felt like he's pulling from that arrangement for this. It's because that, arrangement had the harmonica solo in it and Mm -hmm. and everything and it but definitely i i hear that and it's like okay he sped up that arrangement but he just turns it in i mean that's the thing when i heard it it it's like man i want to know what his face what his body language is like or something because he sounds like he is having the time of his life performing that song and the crowd is into it yeah one of his best harmonica solos and really the acoustic guitar solo also towards the end that's really good too i mean it's just and just the the vibe the the positive energy that you just get from that one track is absolutely amazing and i am so glad that you told me about this one this this is amazing yeah, this, he's really having a, a fun time. There's another uh, – uh, he covers a, a song called Weeping Willow, which is an old folk song, I believe. Uh, and there's a point where in the middle of that song, you hear him go, ah, shucks. And it gets this big laugh from the crowd because he's sort of throwing that in. So he's clearly having a good time. Again, I – you know, I hey, I never want to uh, tell uh, tell Sony Music it's business. But, man, come on, guys. Get these supper club shows out. I mean, I, I think Bob seems pretty open to, like – Pulling things out of the vault. These the, the fact that these are not available anywhere in a an official manner is ridiculous because they are just superb, superb shows. So yeah, I'm glad I could introduce it to you because I just I just love that version. I did no would never have any clue that he would think to rework uh, a song with such a definitive arrangement as uh, as tight connection and then do it in this in this form. And it just again they both work equally really well i said this is this is just a really really fun song it's it makes you kind of even though it's got some you know it's about heartbreak and sadness and it's got a kind of like dark lines the line about the the, you know later he'll be shot for resisting arrest i mean there's some kind of dark stuff going on here but it just has that dylan grit but it has that light poppy flavor to it and i have to imagine if this had charted a little higher i have to wonder if more people had heard it that didn't really know about Bob Dylan, they'd be shocked that this is a Bob Dylan song. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like you talked about when you first heard Lay, Lady, Lay. I would imagine most people have an idea of what Bob Dylan sounds like. And if they play, if you started this, they would be like, this is a Bob Dylan song? You have no idea from the from that opening. Yeah, I remember my my wife, she's she's a good sport when it comes to my various musical tastes. But I remember, <laughs> we were, and, and she is, she's, she's awesome in that regard. But I remember we were listening to the best of Johnny Cash and girl of North country came on and she's like, you know, uh, she's, as we're hearing it, it's like, who's, who's singing with Johnny. And I'm like, take a guess. And she's like, Willie Nelson's like, no, it's like, like, it can't be Jim Reeves. He's dead by this point. And it's like, 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 you know, so it's like, so I was like, and then she's like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's Bob Dylan, isn't it? I can just hear it barely. And it's like, yeah, it's Bob Dylan. So it's like, Man, it's uh, it's amazing the power that he has with that voice, you know, and he still to this day that is still has that power to emit. But, you know, when he is feeling it, it's amazing. It's amazing Mm -hmm. how it is. And, you know, that's one of the things since I've really embraced this, his music and him, I'm like, 
when is he coming back? When can I see this guy? Because uh, um, I live in Salt Lake City, and he played two nights at this brand new downtown theater, and that was about three years ago. And I'm like, oh, I hope he comes back because I'm ready. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to enjoy it. Whatever I get. Even if it's Sinatra, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, me too. I didn't get to go see him last year. Me and my pal Dan, that we always go every year. We we couldn't do it last year for different reasons. But hopefully, uh, when he comes around this year, we're gonna we're gonna go. I'm gonna be really excited to see him again. So yeah, so uh, yeah, that is that is tight connection to my heart. It's just one of my. It's it's one of those songs. I, I on the over on the um, Dylan Twitter feed pod underscore Dylan. I will post. Uh, pictures of my uh, my playlist that I make on iTunes, which uh, I, every so often uh, I make, like probably like once or once a week, or maybe once every two weeks. And this song pops up a lot because it's just so fun to listen to. It's just a great song to listen to while you're in the car. So it's a great tune. I'm really had a. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about it because again, it's not a song a lot of people pick. So Alan, thank you so much for uh, reaching out and coming on the show, and thank you for suggesting this because this was a blast. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing this. It's it's just nice to be able to talk about Dylan in this manner, in this fashion. And it's uh, it's been very, very uh, – who am I kidding? This has been fun, and it's been – and I've really enjoyed myself with this. Awesome. Well, that makes me feel great. I want everybody to have a good time. It's supposed to be fun. So thank you so much for coming on. And so we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, before I do my traditional uh, sign-offs where I talk about where you can find the show and stuff like that, I do want to mention, of course – uh, I have a big event coming up in that Pod Dylan will be part of the 2019 Philadelphia uh, Podcast Philadelphia Podcast Festival, uh, which means I'm going to be doing a live version of the show on Sunday, July 28th, uh, at the Tattooed Mom Restaurant in South Street in Philadelphia. Uh, my guest is going to be uh, renowned music critic Tom Moon. Uh, who has written for Rolling Stone, the Philadelphia Inquirer, NPR, many other locations. And we are going to be talking about one of the big ones, Like a Rolling Stone. And so uh, any of you listening to this, when you see tweets over on uh, pod underscore Dylan, if you could retweet that, I really would appreciate it because uh, I want to pack the house as best I can. Uh, I am not someone who likes to get on stage in front of people. So this is kind of terrifying for me that I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I really want to uh, pack the place to the very wall. So if uh, you're in the area, uh, if you're in the area around that time, I would love it if you could stop by and, and, and see the show. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. So I'm really, really excited about it. I have huge thanks to the Philadelphia Podcast Festival for including Pod Dylan. Big thanks to Tom Moon for agreeing to do it. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. Once again, it's going to be on Sunday, July 28th at the Tattooed Mom on South Street in Philadelphia. You can go to Philadelphia. You can go to phillypodfest.com uh, and find see the whole schedule, or you can go to the Twitter feed, and you'll see there's a pinned tweet all about the upcoming show. So, uh, again, if you're in the area, I hope to see you there. Of course, uh, you can find back episodes of the show over on our website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. So I guess that's going to do it for now. So, uh, Alan, once again, thank you so much for coming by. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. I said I'd send for you and I did What did you expect? 
Something I gotta do tonight. You go inside. 